You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. And partly what I'm going to talk about today is, is how we might feel and how we feel. And we have pressure put on us, but it's not from God, it's from the world, it's from other people, it's from our own expectations. But you know, God's not into that. So I'd like to add my welcome to you here this morning, those online, and we have some folks from Lemster. Woo, woo, woo! Um, faces I recognise, which is great. Some faces I don't recognise, but I recognise you perhaps from um, coming into the cafe to revive, or some from school, or who've been here before. So welcome, good to see you here. Um, we are resuming our series about the good news how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity, is it? Should be a slide up on the screen soon. So that's my good news today. The good news from Jesus is that the highest price ever was paid for a broken pot. You might think, really? Is that good news? Is that even possible? Why would anybody want to do that? It's unusual why pay the highest price for something that's broken? It's not what our society is generally like. But the, the repaired pot looked amazing. The flaws, the imperfections, they were worked with, not hidden. It was still a treasure. It was still useful. Someone had taken the time to restore it to a place of honour, to display its beauty. And actually that pot there has been repaired by a, a centuries-old Japanese art of kintsugi. And if any of you know Nikki Lily, she can tell you all about it far better than I am. She's a jewellery maker. She's done lots of art stuff. And it's a centuries-old Japanese of repairing broken pottery and transforming it into a new work of art with gold. The traditional metal used in sugi in kintsugi is gold, a precious metal. The name of the technique is derived from the words kin, which is golden, and sugi, which is joinery, which translates into golden repair. Embracing flaws and imperfections. And I'm just thinking after COVID, we're getting along a little bit better now, we're used to it. But I think after COVID and two years of COVID, I think sometimes we felt like our lives were broken, that actually we'd lost things. They weren't as they were. Pieces, not usable. We lost so much. And I think everybody here today can identify with the fact that somehow we've put life back together. Might not seem the same as it was. We're always gonna live with COVID, but it is being restored. And it is being restored in a way that God wants it with gold, not just a bit of glue, but with the best metal, gold. Beauty out of brokenness. I was wondering, what is the best thing I can say to anyone that doesn't know Jesus? And it's the fact he gives me hope. It's the fact that because of God, I have hope. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I have to go through, or anything else, I have hope for the future because of Jesus. 
Today's society might try to tell us we have to be perfect. Got to have everything perfect. Social media has to be perfect. So many images of perfection, of what you should look like, what, you sh what your house should be like, your car, your clothing, all out there. Social media constantly trying to give us images of what we should look like, what we should think of, what our relationships should be. It's not necessarily a reality. Um, some of you might be old enough. I think some of you are. I can remember writing essays in my teenage years, writing and writing, come to the end, I'd made a fault, crossed it out. I never liked that, so I had to rip it out of the book and start again. And the number of times I did that, and it was like, oh, all it did was get me to the place of I had to do everything perfect. I had to be perfect. What I did had to be perfect. It's not necessarily what anybody else told me, but that was just my thinking. It had to be perfect. These days, you can enhance photos, you can Photoshop images of people. You could, if I was online and it was just a photo, reduce my wrinkles, make me look a little slimmer. I might like that. I might look better, but it's not who I really am. It's just false. It's just an impression that you might get and think that can be lived up to. Can't. Kate Winslet, um, famous actress, had a clause in her contract that she would not allow any of her photos to be photoshopped because it gave a false reality of what's true and what can actually be achieved. And with the way society presents perfection, we find ourselves striving that perfection that's just not real it's just an illusion and it's not achievable and it's based on a lie it's not based on truth and sometimes no matter how hard we try we can never reach up to it we can never achieve it and that just starts us feeling we're useless we're hopeless we can't do anything we can't get that but that is just an illusion it's just a lie it's not anything that we can achieve in the first place. Some people say we have a disposable society, disposable cups, disposable plates, knives and forks, that we value nothing but know the cost of everything. We just throw things out. There's even the possibility these days of what they call designer babies. It's like, what? And this was actually some news that I found as I was scrolling through the internet. News about new sort of genes and what they can do. And it says designer babies are on the horizon after an influential group of scientists concluded that it could be morally permissible to genetically engineer human embryos. In a new report which opens the door to a change in the law, the Nuffield Council of Bioethics said that DNA editing could become an option for parents wanting to influence the genetic characteristics of their child. Although it would be largely used to cure devastating genetic illnesses or predispositions to cancers and dementia, the experts said that they were not ruling out cosmetic uses such as making tweaks to increase height, changing eye or hair colour, 
it would make a child more successful. Yeah, and that is meant to be good news. Not in my book. It is just so open to just abuse. And what about people that don't want to have genetic modification? Where does that leave humanity? You start to compare yourself. I don't think that's an avenue we want to go down. I'm not exactly discussing that one today. But that's just the things that are on the horizon that we need to actually start making a stand against or being aware of. Okay. I do appreciate in some circumstances it could be used to reduce the possibility of having a child with health impairments. But does it make it right? In Psalm 139 verse 13, the truth is, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me are written in your book. I put my trust in God. I trust what God has for me. He is the creator of all things. And it made me remember... We've had three boys. Tony is my husband. Um, we have three boys. They're in their late 20s and early 30s now. And when it came to my third pregnancy, I was about 32, not old, you might say. However, the medical profession thought it was a little bit old. There we go. Um, and I had an in-depth discussion, not a very pleasant one, with my doctor at the time. She'd gone through all the previous pregnancies with me. She knew me, I thought. And she wanted me to have an amniocentesis. This is to put a needle into the amniotic fluid to drain out some of the fluid, to check. To check for anomalies is what they say. Now, having looked at all this, I knew that there was a small risk of actually having a miscarriage, only about sort of 0.5%, but there was a risk. And I just said, I don't want that. I think that if there's anything I need to know, the scan will pick it up. And she said, going down the road of, um, well, actually, I like my mothers to be pre-warned of what to expect. It's like, excuse me, because then you can have a choice if you want to, whether to keep a baby or if there's a problem not to, and I'm thinking, well, oh, this is already going far too far. And I said, I don't want an amniocentesis. I don't need to know because my faith is in God and I trust my God would give me faith, mercy and grace to cope with the baby if there was any problems. I told her that. She didn't like it very much because it went across what everybody was expected to do. It went against society. It went against the norm. But having that would go against my principles and my faith in God and it was non-negotiable. So... What you choose to do is up to you. That was my choice. She didn't like it very much, but that's where it left. And pleased to say that we had a wonderful little boy, now very tall actually. His name is Benny. Um, 
Yeah, actually there was a problem and it never got caught up with anything. His umbilical cord was in a knot. They never picked that one up, did they? With everything else that was going on, he was our sporty boy. And I think that's why he was so active. That's how he managed to get a uh, knot in his cord. But there we go. Thanks to the Lord. Okay, amen. So trying to get perfection in our lives and following what Meiji would tell us is a bit, a bit like living on a tightrope. Trying to walk, balance everything. What's there? What's the newest? When we look at what we do, how we do them, our careers, our families, social media, our relationships. So our lives have to look perfect. Trying to win approval. What's the best thing I can put up? That's what a lot of people are into, trying to get approval. You know, the best approval I have is God's. I have his approval because I've turned to him, I've accepted Jesus, and I know that I have his approval, providing I carry on in faith. And because I love him for what he's done, that's not hard. That's not having to work. That is having a relationship with the maker, the creator of the world. God says to be in the world, but not of it. He doesn't say, hide yourself away. Don't go into the world. It's a terrible place. Not necessarily at times a good place, but he doesn't say, hide yourself completely, come out of it completely. He just says, be in it, but not of it. Don't let the world shape your ideas. Don't let the world shape what's acceptable. Don't let the world shape what you want to do or what God's calling you to do. Okay? So God says, be in the world, but not of it. Now, you see, God created man to be perfect. The Garden of Eden, it says in Genesis, they would walk in the quiet of the evening. God, Adam and Eve, what a relationship. But we can do that today. He's with us. One thing they were told, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One thing, and it's a simple thing, you might think, ah, oh. one rule. However, they were deceived. Almost as if to say, well, that bear the serpent, as it says in the Bible, we would refer to him as the devil. And he said, surely God didn't say that, but isn't that so much better than what you've got? Wouldn't that make things so much better? It really would be perfect. You could be like God. So they ate it. And they realized that actually they had disobeyed God. And it was that disobedience, that decision to go their way and not God's way that introduced what we call sin. And I know before I became a Christian, I used to hear the word sin. I used to think, oh my goodness, I'm full of it. Sin, it's just disobeying God, big or small. God has no gray areas. I have um, recently been on holiday and I was reminded about actually God's definition of sin. Anything we do wrong, black or white, there's no measure of it. I might measure, I might compare my sin to somebody else's. Oh, he's so much worse than I am. God doesn't care the measurement or the depth. Sin is sin. It separates us. Tony, can you just pass me that little? I bought a little. 
aid. So how many of you put your luggage in, got your tickets, you've been looking forward to your holiday, oh, so excited, it was only at the end of October, we're going somewhere hot and sunny, get into all the luggage is gone, get through customs, in the queues, reminded by a gentleman and lots of signs as we go along, make sure you do not have any extra liquids. Fitting in small bag, no small larger than 50 mils or 100 mils. I met the criteria. We had checked beforehand. And little bag, little plastic see-through bag, small amounts. Oh, I thought, yeah, can do this. No problems. Tony reminded, are you sure? Yeah, I am absolutely sure. Not a problem. So if you can just take it onto the next slide. Um, don't worry, that one will do. So we're going through customs and lo and behold, bag onto the conveyor belt, that's gone through. I go through the scanner, oh yeah, great. Yeah, almost a bit like that and it's like, stop. It's like, what? You must be joking. And Tony's standing over there with a very disapproving look on him. He said, I told you to check. I said, I've got nothing. And I'm really racking my brain thinking, what on earth? And it's like you feel everybody's watching you. Everybody's looking at you. You think, uh-uh, I am really under the spotlight here, but I don't know why. Nice guy. There were two, two of us, another lady. Gets my bag, totally opens it out. Said, yeah, no problem. You know, everything out of my bag. Can't find anything. I said, well, I don't think there's anything. He said, yeah, there's something just showing on the scanner. So he goes back in. He actually takes it out and almost, um, you know, pulls it apart. Hidden was a little packet, little tube of hand cream. This small, okay, not big. Really don't think I can blow up anything with that, but it was still there. It was detected. A small piece of plastic with hand cream in that shouldn't have been there. My sin, big or small, still was counted as something that shouldn't be there. Okay. I did feel a little aggrieved. The lady next to me massive case with lotions and potions that big ones, small ones, everything, shower gel, body lotion, hair stuff. And it was like, and you stopped me for that was, was part of my attitude. Not right, I know, but it was like, well, but we can sometimes feel like that. We're not as bad as others, but you know what? To God, nothing is acceptable. And that is why when I went through that and then Tony said, oh, why did you do that? I'd just picked it up before leaving the house because my hands felt a bit dry. And I thought, I'll just put a little bit on in the car. Forgot it. But it was still there. And on the one hand, it was good to see that actually the, the customs people really do a thorough job. They get into everything, okay? And they're very good. He just said, right, we're going to put it back through, as we should do, in a little plastic bag. And he did. And I'm thinking, thank you. But it didn't have to teach me a lesson. But it reminded me, to God, sin is sin. The small things we do, the small disobediences, big or small, it's still the same to God. It breaks his heart. 
because it means we're not trusting in him. We're not trusting in, in what he wants for our lives. So just move on from that. Um, when Jesus came, the religious people, at the, um, once Adam and Eve um, had sinned, God didn't want them to be in the Garden of Eden anymore. Not because he was so cross with them, but I guess he probably was. But he didn't want them to live for eternity in that sin. So if they'd started to eat from the tree of life, it meant that they would be eternally in that place of sin, and he didn't want that. That wasn't the best for them. So he sent them out. Um, that's sort of where sin came into the world. And he gave them later on some commandments to keep. The Ten Commandments that were given to Moses to live by. The do's and the don'ts. The idea being that that will help them live a godly life, keep the society going. But you know, all it ended up being was a rod to beat everybody up with. How well did they keep the commandments? How well did they do the do's and the don'ts? What measure was given? I've only done a small sin, so I'm better than you because you've done a really big one. That's not what God cared about. God wanted that relationship restored. God wanted to be with his people, with his children, having a good time, talking with them, spending time with them. But the priests at the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they decided that actually we're going to just look at the sin. We're just going to look at what we do, right or wrong. We're not, we're not too worried about that relationship. But when Jesus came, he came to restore that relationship. He came to point us back to God. He came to try and show that all those rules and regulations we can't live up to. I certainly couldn't. One little item. Tried my best to keep all the rules and regulations for customs. I failed. Let alone the Ten Commandments. And then how dare Jesus start healing on a Sunday? Oh, that was absolutely, no, no, he, he cannot be the son of God because he's doing all these things wrong. But he came to point the fact that actually he wanted a relationship. He wanted to restore us back to God. Tony did a really good um, message last week about the cross. So if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to it about the victory of what Jesus won for us on the cross. And in the Bible it says, all have sinned and fall short. Might just be a little sin. Might just be a little bit of a disobedience. Oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm generally pretty good most of the time. But if I don't actually believe that Jesus paid that price on the cross and repent for the times I've gone my own way, I'm still not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm still not going to have that relationship with God restored. Because I don't truly acknowledge the sin, the disobedience, the times I've tried to do my own thing. And before becoming a Christian, I was probably very rebellious. God doesn't exist. God is just there to make man feel better. I don't need him. That was my thinking. And then God stepped down. He showed me the truth. And we can look at the world today 
And we might think there's a truth in there that we want to follow, but it's going to leave our hearts empty because we will seek for perfection and not achieve it. The only way I can be made perfect is through Christ when he died on the cross and accepting that actually he did it all for me. And if it was just for one person, that would have been fine with God, as it was. It was for the whole of mankind. One act that Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood for all eternity. Wow. That beats any story anywhere. Because that is the reality of my life, the cross. That is the reality of the world. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for me being separated from God completely and fully. So when I said at the start about the highest price paid for a broken pot, sometimes we feel that our lives are broken, that we're shattered, that we have broken pieces. But Jesus, he paid the highest price to restore us, not just our relationship, but restore us as people. We sang the song earlier, um, Breaking Every Chain, Setting Captives Free. That's what he achieved. That's what he accomplished. That's what he's done for us if we choose to accept it. And yet sometimes we still try to think we have to be perfect. Preparing this, I normally like to spend quite a few days and just for the way things turned out, I didn't have it. I had the choice actually. I could take, go with Tony and take our granddaughter to swimming lessons or I could stay at home. I was torn. Yes, I want excellence for God. Yes, I want to share. But I have a granddaughter. We have a family and it's like, do you know what? I don't have to prepare the most perfect preach because I can spend time with my granddaughter. Who knows what's coming in the future? Who knows what you've just been through? I'm not saying if God calls you to do something, oh, don't do it because you want to go off and have a good time. But I am saying that sometimes we have choices and we put pressure on ourselves to think it has to be perfect. That is not the pressure that God puts on us. Okay? Yeah? Smile at me. I know it might be quite serious, but, you know, it doesn't have to be. So he's, God does not use perfect people. Woo-woo! Amen. Let's have an amen from this. So um, we've caught up on that. I think I might have missed a few things out in the middle, but that's fine. So God doesn't expect perfect people. Oh, this is, this is where I am at now. That's good. Abraham was old, and I think he'd also lied. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused by his family. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The woman at the well was several times divorced and living with another person's husband. Peter denied him three times. And Thomas doubted. God doesn't wait for us to be perfect. God just says, yeah, I'll use you as you are and I'll make you perfect. 
I will make you grow, growing in holiness. But you don't have to be perfect to start with, okay? God makes us perfect. And I came across um, this wonderful verse that was put down. It wasn't a verse, it was something I'd read, and it says, God is not looking for perfect examples. This is good news. He is looking for ordinary people willing to just love one another. That is a whole good news on itself. A people prepared to love one another. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Wow. This isn't complicated. I haven't got to write an essay and rip it out if it goes wrong. People to love one another. He is calling the messy, the broken, and the incomplete. This is the good news. It means our role is not to show off. Sometimes still to try and get that approval. It's not to show off. It is to show up. You don't have to be perfect to do anything to be here. Just to show up. Amen. I haven't got to get all my do's and don'ts right before I can come here today. When I come here today, if I've got any do's or don'ts wrong in the week, I say sorry to God. But I don't have to even be here for that. I can say sorry to him at home. If you're online, you can say sorry at home. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's our heart attitude. It's in our hearts where God gets to by his spirit that he changes that makes us perfect. Amen? It means our role is not to show off, show up. He will give to us. And then, when we are restored, when we can be like that sort of vase, that pot, put back together where we can hold our hands up and be filled, guess what he does? He uses that and gives it to others through us. Wow. Not complicated, not yet perfection, but I don't have to be because God put me back together. All my faults, everything else, he put back together with gold to look beautiful. And sometimes we think, oh my goodness, my life is broken, I can't do anything. When, it's, when I'm in a better place, I'll think about God. Do you know what? When you're in that not so good place, when you're feeling broken, when you're feeling crushed, that's the place to be with God because he will put the effort in to restore you, rebuild you, make you go back to looking beautiful and better than ever because actually those battle scars, those cracks, those imperfections, the flaws he uses, he covers them with gold and you look beautiful, better than before. And it's like, wow. That is so much better than my perfection. I can not hope. But God, he will restore. Amen? Amen. So God wants our presence, wants us to be here. He wants us to be with him. He doesn't want our perfections. He knows them. He knows our imperfections sometimes before we've even carried them out. He knows sometimes I get frustrated. He knows sometimes it's... And I sometimes say to myself, when I get up there, I'll be having a chat with you about that. 
but I know when I get there, I shall be too, too amazed at his glory. Why would I worry? Why would I be anxious? Yes, sometimes I am, but I know God is my anchor. God is my safety. And I sometimes try to figure it all out. How can this be? Well, if it was this, it was that. You know what God says? Be still. Know that he is God. Because we strive. We look for that perfection. We try to do things in our own strength. We try to get approval. God says, I love you. You don't have to be afraid. There is no fear in his perfect love. And I think I shared this last week before I actually became a Christian. I used to think God was a headmaster waiting to judge me. And then I knew the truth that actually Jesus died to take away that judgment. He took the judgment. He paid the price with his life. So he, made, he justified me. He took away all that condemnation, all the sin, so I could actually accept God and Jesus into my life. So I could go close to him and not have to stand afar because of my imperfections. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve excellence. Oh boy, Jesus, God, deserves the very best, our best. But it's not to put pressure on us to go beyond thinking that that's actually what's expected. Okay, because that's when things start to just get a little bit. It's what you have to do. A child of God. When we took Camilla to the swimming baths, I didn't, might have been quite nice afterwards to give her a little, little tick list. And as an ex-teacher, this is what you've done well. This is what you need to progress on. What's the, the outcome of the learning today? No. Got a nice and warm and had a nice cuddle. Went home, had a nice lunch. We did get some crisps on the way. Sorry, Jason, about um, no tick box, no right or wrong, no having to strive, just cuddles, just warmth, just a safe place. And I have to say she's very good at swimming, but that's the proud grandma in me. Okay? So I'm going to just bring it to an end now. Perfection is not what God wants. Perfection is what he gave with Jesus. And because of Jesus, that's where he will take us. But we haven't got to be perfect before we come to him. It might be that you've had a relationship in the past and you've sort of let things slip. And you just think, do you know what? When, when I've got my life sorted, I'll, I'll turn back to God and I'll restore it. You don't have to, because I bet you, if that's what you've done or that's what you do, it's like things will get in the way. Oh, well, this will happen. And then that'll happen. This won't happen. You need to change your thinking. It's like God says... You're fine now. I can see the finished product because of Jesus. You don't have to worry. In um, 2 Corinthians verse 12, Paul quotes Jesus. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, God's power, is made perfect in our weakness. When I don't feel strong. When I don't feel safe. When I don't feel I can do things, it's God at work in me. When I stop striving, when I stop trying to do things in my strength, get that perfect paper, that perfect notice, 
God can actually take over properly and I can relax. I can be still and at peace knowing he is God. So God is perfect in every way. God will sort things out. It might be that you feel you're broken, too broken for God to even bother about. Why would, why would God want me? Because Jesus died. That's why God wants you. Because Jesus made you. God knows you. God loves you. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about the future. God gave perfection. So there is nothing to hinder us to come back and have that relationship restored. It might just be that you feel a bit like that broken pot. How can I ever be useful? What hope have I got? Where have you gone to, God? Because I am just here. I can't do anything. But you know what? The highest price was paid. God uses gold because you are a treasure to him. And if you feel that you're a bit of a broken pot, it's like God sees the finished result. God is the master craftsman. He will pick you up. He will restore you. And he won't just cobble you together. He won't just stick it together and say, I hope that best. He gave his best. He's going to give you because he's given his best. And you know what? You are his best. You might not believe it. You might think, oh my goodness, I'm just... But actually, you are his best. And I know there's people here today that might feel, I'm really not the best. I'm not his best. It's a work in progress. There is still repair and restoration to do. But it's not impossible. Because with God, everything is possible. Okay? So I'm going to leave it there. I sometimes feel like the broken pot. I look at that on the screen and I'm thinking, oh yes, I've got a few flaws here. That's probably sometimes good compared to how we feel. But I know God sees the end result. I know that when I let him, he will put the gold and the cement back into lives, back into situations because of who he is, not because of who I am, but because he is a good, good father. So I'm going to say a prayer. In fact, I'm just going to ask you to stand up if you don't mind. Um, I'm not going to ask anybody to put their hands up because sometimes when we're feeling broken that's like the last thing we want to do but God knows your heart God knows you intimately because he formed you and he is he is ready and wanting and starting to just put things back in your life in your being to the way they should be Father, I just thank you that you are the God of restoration.
Father, I thank you that, Lord, you paid the highest price with the blood of your Son to just restore that relationship with us. And Father, I thank you that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to try and make everything perfect before I can come to you because you make me perfect in my weakness. And Father, I just pray today that, Lord, where we are at, you will restore and rebuild, whether that's communities, whether that's um, places in Herefordshire or in the very core of our being, because you are the God of restoration. And I thank you that you, you are the great restorer, that you are a master craftsman. And Father, I pray, Lord, that today we will be able to say, God broke in and restored me. God picked me up in his hand and he put me back together. Father, we just thank you for the, that you paid that highest price. In the name of Jesus. Amen.